Hello, and welcome to the ATPE Podcast, brought to you by the Association of Texas Professional Educators and covering the hottest topics on Texas educators' minds today. Hello, and welcome to the ATPE Podcast. My name is David George, and I serve as the ATPE News Magazine Editor. Today, we're going to be discussing associate members, specifically your rights and what you're entitled to under both state and federal law. Uh, We're joined today by Lance Kane, an attorney in the ATPE member legal services department for the past 17 years. For a little background, he spent the first 10 of those years as an on-call attorney, taking calls daily from ATPE members. Uh, In the last seven years, he has been a travel and grievance attorney, providing our members with support and on-site assistance. We're really happy to have you return to the podcast, Lance. Thank you, David. It's good to be here this morning. So let's start with what is or who is an associate member? Yeah, all right. Um... So school districts have a lot of different types of employees. Um, And so our membership department has broken them down into different categories. And one of those categories is an associate member. And those would be uh, bus drivers, uh, front office staff, like secretaries and uh, clerks, um, in-class support, like instructional aides, paraprofessionals, uh, groundskeepers, uh, maintenance workers, cafeteria workers, all the types of employees that really form the foundation of a school district and make it run smoothly and efficiently. Uh, So they really do an important job. Um, So I think it is important to talk about kind of what rights they do have and also what rights they don't have. Uh, Texas is an at-will state. So if you do not have a contract, that means that you can be terminated for any reason or no reason at all. Um, And also on the flip side of that, you are allowed to resign with, without any kind of notice. Uh, and so I think there's a little bit more flexibility, um, but also there are some specific rights that are important to kind of go into. So let's begin with pay. Uh, what can you tell us about overtime, comp time, uh, district compensation <clears throat> plans? Yeah, so unlike a teacher whose pay would be governed by the uh, Texas Education Code, um, where there is a sort of minimum salary scale Uh, that's put out and it sort of ranks them by years of experience. There's nothing like that for, say, a food service worker or um, a janitor. Um, They are really kind of at the discretion of the district's compensation plan, um, which means that there's a lot of flexibility that district has to categorize and set sort of different levels of pay. A lot of times it'll be a range. There is a floor to that, though. There's the minimum wage laws, and so uh, a district cannot pay an employee less than $7.25 an hour. Um, One of the the major differences, though, in how a teacher would be paid versus how an associate member would be paid are the overtime laws. Um, That is a very strong law that uh, associate members have. Um, It's through the Fair Labor Standards Act, which is a federal law. Um, And overtime itself is a pretty complicated analysis. it's really, uh, you know, you have to look at what the employee does and, and the duties, the specific duties. So that in itself could form the topic of an, an entire different discussion. Um, but for the purposes of today, I'm going to break it down between sort of exempt employees, meaning that they're exempt from overtime, and then non-exempt employees, meaning that they do get overtime. Um, the exempt employees are going to be like teachers and, and principals. So if they worked 50 hours this week, 30 hours next week, and then 80 hours the following week, their pay would, would be the same. They would be, have the same salary. Um, if the same thing happened to an associate member, 
they would be entitled to overtime in those circumstances. So the non-exempt employees are entitled to overtime um, and, and would be getting time and a half, which is you know, 1.5 times what their salary is. Um, it's not actually per day. So it's not like if an employee works 10 hours in one day, they will get two hours of overtime. It's judged on a 40-hour work week. So um, a lot of districts will have internal controls on how they deal with that. Um, so if a, you know, if a clerk or something works nine hours in one day, they might be told, let's work seven hours the next day to kind of even it out through, through the week. Um, but it is very important for those employees to keep track of their hours. Um, districts might, might have a clock in and clock out system, but if they do, do not, it's a good idea for the employees to log their own time. Um, and also to kind of be aware of what the district's overtime policies are, because a lot of districts will have a requirement that there is some type of approval before they work overtime. Um, that's important because if they do not get approval and accidentally work overtime or even intentionally work overtime, um, they're entitled to the pay, uh, but they can be disciplined for working the overtime without having that permission. So they could be you know, terminated or, or given a reprimand. So it is a good idea to be aware of what those uh, policies are of your district. Um, look at employee handbook or ask your supervisor uh, because you know there could be even a mistake could result in some type of discipline to the employee. Um, and then one, one specific thing that can come up um, is instead of paying uh, overtime, the district can offer comp time. So it would be, say, time and a half uh, on a paid leave day. So if a, an employee works one hour of overtime, um, they'd be entitled to 1.5 hours of comp time. Uh, so some districts do it like that, some districts will actually pay, and some districts don't really approve much overtime at all. It really kind of depends on um, what the employee's job entail entails and, uh, and kind of what the district's uh, staffing situation is. Um, one thing that has come up in Texas because of how big of a state it is, we have times where there might be a hurricane or there might be some bad weather. And so our uh, associate members will ask, do I have to get paid during that time that the district is closed for a week or two? Um, the law actually does not require the districts to pay the employees that are not working during that time. Um, unless they have sort of a contract. So a teacher, you know, there'd be a different analysis for that. Um, with a associate member, they can be paid, and we did see a lot of that happen during COVID and, and some of the other uh, weather-related closures, where a school board, you know, went before, um, they had a meeting, and they made a proposal, and if they find that there's a public purpose for paying the employee, um, they can identify how long the pay is going to be, and they can identify uh, what uh, types of employees are going to be getting the pay. So a school district can approve pay during that time, but it's not required by law. What about associate member duties, job description, assignments, reassignments? Yeah, that, that is one of the major differences between associate members and other types of district employees that might have a contract. Um, the contract will outline many of the rights that a teacher has, for example, um, and will also sometimes outline their specific title. Without that, the district has a lot of flexibility to make assignments and reassignments and even change assignments um, that the employee might have. And, and so an employee, we get the question a lot from associate members, well, this was the job that I was hired for, or this was the school that I was hired at. And, and actually, the job is with the school district. So um, the school district would have the right to reassign them uh, really to any place within the school district. 
um, and also would be able to change their duties and, and even in certain situations uh, make changes to their working hours. Um, now there would be some overtime protection there. Uh, um, and then the question comes up a lot, what about my job description? Uh, because people will say, well, this has my title on it, or this has my pay or pay scale, or this has my duties. And actually, a job description is more of a guideline. It's not a binding legal contract. So it's helpful in kind of telling you what the expectations of the job are, but it's not a document that you can use to force the district to keep you in that position. Uh, and so, so yeah, really, there's a lot more flexibility with duties, and, and school districts um, can have uh, you know, reassignments um, pretty much to almost any position um, for uh, an associate member. Are associate members entitled to lunch and other breaks? Yeah, that is a good question. I, I think many districts offer those. It, it's sort of just a standard practice because you know doing a job for eight hours in a row can be can be difficult. Um, so you know, best practices would be to give breaks and and, and give lunch. Um, federal law actually does not require any kind of lunch or coffee break. Um, there there is some limitation though that if they are provided. So if you do get a coffee break or a short break. Um, you know, five or t five, ten, twenty minutes, uh, then that is counted as compensable time. So you you are not required to clock out. Um, it's counted towards your uh, workday. It's counted towards overtime, um, and you get paid for that time. Um, there is an exception if you are a new mother um, taking a break to express milk. Um, then that can be unpaid. And so there are some laws that require uh, employers to allow new mothers to do that. Um, but that would be the one exception where they can. Um, actually not pay them for that time. Uh, with the lunch, there's actually not a requirement of lunch either. Um, so federal law and then state law do not require uh, lunches for associate members. The, um, the thing with lunch is because it's a little bit of a longer break, a school district can require them to clock out during that time and not pay them. So it's not the same as a short break uh, and, and, and they can actually not pay them during their lunch. For those associate members working in a district of innovation, what sort of impact could that have? Yeah, actually, um, because districts of innovation are aimed towards state law, um, they're aimed towards the Texas Education Code, and a lot of the Texas Education Code um, gives rights to teachers. Uh, if a school district is exempting themselves from those types of employee rights that teachers have, it, it will have actually less of an effect on an associate member. So, I mean, we're talking things like the duty-free lunch, um, that's for teachers, uh, conference time for teachers, you know, even class size. Um, so a school district could take those rights away from teachers through a district of innovation, um, but really wouldn't be as affecting a uh, associate member as much. Um, so districts of innovation, it, you know, really depends on the specific plan. Uh, but in a lot of ways, it, it, um, associate members have, have kind of escaped that situation. Talk to us about associate member rights under federal law. Federal law is one of the, 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 the big parts of where associate members kind of have some of those rights. Um, the FSLA, the Fair Labor Standards Act, is, is what governs overtime. Um, so that is one of the major rights that associate members have. And then there's also a bunch of federal rights that um, most employees have. Um, so whether you're a teacher or whether you're uh, an associate member or, or us, for example, um, FMLA, the Family Medical Leave Act, so that entitles uh, employees to take up to 12 weeks off if they have a serious medical condition. 
uh, to care for themselves or even to care for a close family member. Uh, there are some eligibility requirements. So the school district has to have at least 50 members and also the employee has to have been there for the previous year and worked 1,250 hours. Uh, but the FMLA is a really good uh, leave act because it allows school districts or uh, it allows the employees to take time off without having to worry about getting terminated. Um, their job is waiting for them when they come back or at least a similar job. Um, so it is a really good protection that associate members have. Um, the Americans with Disabilities Act is another good law. That, it's a federal law that associate members um, are entitled to. That allows employees with a disability uh, to request accommodations from their school district to allow them to do their job. So um, associate members have the same rights from under the ADA that any other employee would. And then also the, the, the federal discrimination laws. So you cannot be discriminated against or harassed um, based on your membership in a protected class. And those apply to the associate members as well. And their rights under state laws regarding workers' comp, temporary disability, and so on? Yeah, there are some rights under state law that do apply to the associate members. Um, you mentioned the state leave. Uh, they, they are entitled to five days of uh, state paid leave under, under state law. Um, assault leave is another one that applies to all employees at a school district. So if you are working and you get assaulted at school and have to take time off for physical injuries, um, that is on the school district. So you do not have to use your own paid leave for that. Um, workers' comp as well. Um, we don't do workers' comp in the legal department, but um, that's something that comes up if you are injured at work and not necessarily an assault, but if you're injured at work, you're entitled to, um, to compensation benefits for that. Um, temporary disability leave might apply to an associate member um, if they're in a position that requires a certificate, so like an instructional aid. And what temporary disability is, is, is sort of a state version of the FMLA. Um, so it's a extended leave that has job protection in it. Um, it allows employees to take up to 180 days off. And uh, it's, it's only for the employee, so there's a little bit of difference between the FMLA, so it's only for the employee and not for any family member. Um, but that is a good way for if an employee has a you know, serious medical condition that they can take time off without having to worry about losing their job. In the case of unpaid admin leave, uh, termination without due process, those under investigation, what do associate members need to know? Yeah, the, the differences um, are, are, are pretty wide in, in that area. So if there's an allegation or some type of investigation uh, based on workplace conduct, um, then unlike a teacher with a contract, um, they, they typically have to be placed on paid administrative leave uh, because of the contract. And um, with an at-will employee or with uh, an associate member, because there's no contract governing that pay, they can be placed on unpaid administrative leave while the district performs the investigation. Some districts will pay them anyway, um, so it, it's not like it's required that they are unpaid. Um, so some districts will pay um, even though they don't have to. Um, but it is something to, to be aware of that if you are under investigation, you can actually be placed on unpaid administrative leave. Um, terminations as well, uh, because of the contract, um, teacher contracts and the Texas Education Code require due process and they require a good cause to terminate a teacher during the middle of their contract. Um, because of the at-will doctrine, uh, employees that do not have a contract, associate members, for example, um, they can be terminated at will. So there really is no hearing or no you know, termination hearing that they're entitled to. Um, 
they can file a formal grievance. I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more in the next uh, next part. But um, there's no employment hearing at all. Um, there's also the possibility of reporting them to the State Board for Educator Certification if there's some type of inappropriate conduct. That really only applies to those associate members with a certificate. Um, so if you're an instructional aide and have a certificate with SBEC, um, you can be reported to um, them for uh, you know, some type of uh, inappropriate activity or uh, misconduct at work. If you do not have a certificate, there's a fairly new um, sort of do not hire registry that TEA has. Um, so they, they investigate similar to how they would investigate a certificate. Um, and, and they can put you on a do not hire list if you are found to have uh, engaged in some type of inappropriate conduct. Um, so that's more like a search. Um, if you look up the do not hire list and, and you enter in a name, it'll either come up that they're under investigation, so that means there's a pending investigation going on, um, or they're not eligible for hire, um, which is, you know, they can't be hired. And then um, no records match. So if you don't have a records matching, that means that you can be hired, you're not on that do not hire list. Um, but just something to be aware of for those out there, either with a certificate or without a certificate, um, it does apply to associate members as well. You mentioned grievances. What remedies might associate members have? <clears throat> yeah, the grievance is a, a district process that any employee can go through. Um, so an associate member, if they have an employment concern, um, you know, it, regarding their uh, working conditions or regarding, you know, anything that happened to them, like a reassignment or a bad evaluation, or, you know, if they get some type of reprimand that they don't agree with, they have the right to file a formal grievance. That applies to terminations as well. So that would be their main remedy for challenging a termination. Um, that's something that we can certainly help with. We have grievance attorneys that handle those types of things. Um, so and it is a real case-by-case -case basis. The, the one major thing to be aware of with the grievance is how short the deadlines are. So a, an employee would typically only have 10 or 15 days after they learn about the incident to contact us or to file the grievance. So contacting us earlier than that would be, would be advisable. Um, so the grievance is, is, a, is a really good right that they have to bring up these types of concerns and complaints. Um, if it's a discrimination issue where they feel like they're being discriminated against because of their age or their race or, or national origin or color, um, there is a slightly different process, um, but they can go through that process. We can help them with that process and, um, and, and, and you know, try to work with them to come to uh, agreement with the district on that. Um, finally, because they're at will, um, and this might sound a little bit negative, but they, they can actually resign without any kind of penalty. Um, a teacher has a contract, and so they are locked into sort of a one-year service with the district. Um, and that will employ, if they don't like their working conditions or you know, don't like their supervisor or don't like how things are going at work, they have the right to resign uh, without any kind of you know, penalty to any, any certificate that they might have. Um, it is standard in, 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 I guess, the workplace to give two weeks of notice. Um, but that's not even required by law. So, so that really allows a, an associate member to take matters into their own hands if, if things are sort of to the point where they don't feel like they can work for that district anymore. Um, I kind of look at it as, a, as sort of a last, you know, last resort, um, but that is an option that a lot of employees like teachers just simply don't have. Is there anything else that associate members need to know? Um, it, it is important that we covered a lot of these issues that if they have questions about these issues, they know that they can contact us. Uh, we can go through these issues in more detail. 
um, talk to them about their rights and options and, and whether or not you know, they have any kind of legal claim um, and, and really just kind of talk them through the process. So, so yeah, that, they have um, the same right to contact us as any other school district employee and, and we can certainly help them with any legal issue that they might have. Lance, thank you for joining us today and thank you for pro providing all this uh, valuable information. As always, uh, if you have any questions or feedback, you can send those to com at atpe.org. That's C-O-M-M at atpe.org. And we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Thanks again for being here and we'll see you next time on the ATPE podcast. Thanks for listening to the ATPE podcast. For more information about becoming part of Texas's largest community of educators, please visit atpe.org. The information provided in this podcast is for general purposes only. Individual legal situations vary greatly and viewers needing individual legal advice should consult directly with an attorney. Eligible ATPE members may contact the ATPE Member Legal Services Department.